Hey everybody, and welcome to Nanny Podcast, where each week we have a conversation with somebody in the creative field about the industry and, of course, their career. On this week's episode, we are in Helmut, Sweden, with an in-house designer for IKEA, Ina Vorevirta. So please sit back and enjoy. So we are here today in Almut at the IKEA headquarters and I'm interviewing Ina, um, talking about uh, her creative career and the uh, steps she took to get to uh, where she is right now. So welcome, Ina. Thank you. Uh, I'll let you uh, say your last name. <laughs> cool. So uh, before we dig deep, let's start from uh, the beginning. When you moved from Finland uh, away to study design, you already knew that you wanted to be a designer and yes. what interested you Uh, so much that brought you there? Well, I mean, uh, the thing is that I, since I was like five years old, I knew that I would be a designer. Uh, I think it's due to the creative uh, family where I grew up uh, and that kind of freedom to explore uh, your own cre- creativity and especially the thing of, or the fact of that I have always loved to do things with my hands and think through my hands. That has been kind of like the, the guiding force for me. Um, and also that I have been always quite determined Uh, so I moved from home quite early and then from few pit stops uh, moving to Stockholm and then actually realizing that the design could be actually a profession. Uh, and then it was, uh, and then I started to run my own company after graduation, or actually already doing the school. And then uh, that was an accident, oh, yeah, that was basically an accident how I ended up with IKEA. Um, but I happened to meet Marcus Engman uh, doing Stockholm Design Week. Let's call it um, like a happy accident. Yeah, it was definitely a happy accident. But the thing that's uh, when we met, I, I had no idea who he was even. We just started to talk. And then we uh, found so much things in common that uh, we wanted to continue talking. So we booked the lunch meeting. And that meeting. was at the Stockholm Furniture Fair. Yes, okay. yes. Uh, and now it was, wait a second, that was three years ago. Uh, and then uh, we booked the next meeting and then basically decided that uh, during the next week I would come here to Elmholt to see the office. I didn't even know where this was located basically and I didn't even know that there was the in-house design team. Uh, but when I came here I actually left the, the house with a contract in my hand. So it was kind That's of like... Awesome. Yeah, it went quickly. <laughs> and now you're But, here. <laughs> yes, I'm loving it. <laughs> Great. So um, the process as an independent designer <clears throat> with your launching your own mm. uh, business and transitioning into being an in-house designer when your name is not the first on the line, how was that uh, uh, transition? I mean, of course, it's uh, of course it was a huge uh, change from a one-man company to a company of uh, <laughs> quite many thousand people, mm-hmm. and especially in this house where you always are surrounded by people. But I guess that's that is really the best part because when you run your own company, you have like this little two percent of your time to actually for the real design work. Otherwise, you are just dealing with the administration things. You and have to be a lawyer. Yeah, you have to, uh, yeah, you have to do everything. But now here at IKEA, I can only be a designer. And that's, uh, that's what I have always been wanting to be. So uh, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't compromised anyway when it comes to expressing my creativity uh, or being able to explore that. And uh, you mentioned that uh, you're passionate about working with your hands and yes. uh, with a hands-on approach. How do you feel that working uh, in such a, a, 
uh, massive environment. Uh, are you still able to be hands-on in your projects or how? Actually, more than ever. Mm-hmm. That's cool. <laughs> uh, probably you have been already visiting our uh, pattern shop. We usually, uh, I mean, I use that every day on a daily basis. Uh, when it comes to the sketching process, when the ideas start to be a bit more concrete, I always start to translate the ideas into three-dimensional scale or the three-dimensional forms uh, using my own hands. And then when we travel to the suppliers, I always try to be uh, as, uh, as close as possible to the production. And it's always really hands-on. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's even more... Um, getting my hands dirty than before. Do you feel that, um, of course, designing in such big scale sits in your back burner when you approach a new product? Uh, do you feel the, I don't want to call it weight, but mm. the responsibility? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's a huge honor, uh, but also a huge responsibility when you do understand that it's so many people who are going to using or who end up using the products that you do really want to get them right um, because it's going uh, to be influencing in so many people's homes and lives every day. That's, like I said, it's an honor, but you should have the, uh, the right kind of uh, respect to, to that as well. And conscious. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> do you work from a brief? How is the process? How do you get assigned uh, a specific project? Because, of course, you uh, worked at IKEA for, what, about two, three years? Three years, yes. Three years, and you have already worked on one of the, like, IKEA PS uh, collection, mm-hmm. the 2017 one. So how was, uh, how was the process? Uh, well, when it comes to working with collections, uh, that's, that's always very different, because then we are a bunch of designers uh, working together with creative leaders. Uh, that's uh, that's more like a free sort of exploration when it comes to uh, functions and uh, different form of products. It's a big team of creative minds uh, that starts the working process together. Uh, but when it comes to designing, for example, the coffee mug, uh, then the brief can be a lot more precise, like what is it that we are going to be doing. And, and also usually always the price is, uh, uh, is set from the beginning. And then basically starts the the fun part which is the ideation part when it comes to a lot of creating a lot of ideas a lot of sketches a lot of uh, uh, other visual material before you start reducing narrowing down yeah yeah exactly together with the team around you and what about the materials Uh, how do you approach uh, choosing the right material for the right project Uh, is it still part of the brief or you can kind of play around with uh, exploring it Uh, sometimes it is part of the brief uh, and sometimes like you said for me what's sort of like the the strongest guidings always when it comes to making products when the when the brief is not that said is about respecting material that you work with you do have to have the knowledge of different materials and different qualities that those different materials have and use them in the right place so that the product becomes a sense-making one. But it, it's not always in a brief. But then you have to take your own responsibility of, the, of going to the right direction. And do you ever feel that the pressure of having 
a strict timeline or an imminent launch that stresses also the responsibility aspect of? Uh, I wouldn't say it so. Of course, uh, for me, <coughs> actually, it gives quite a lot of um, extra power to know that there is a deadline, that you can't continue with this exploration phase for forever and ever. And the deadline, it never comes as a surprise. Uh, like I said, you always have a lot of people around you, working with you, supporting you, and also making sense that we are going to the right direction in a right sort of uh, t- uh, in a right sort of time limits. So it, you know that there is a deadline. And before, actually, I was thinking sort of like there was something dark and heavy over there that I didn't want to talk about. But uh, nowadays you start sort of like uh, respecting also the deadline and knowing your responsibility of of doing your part Mm. in the team. It sounds like it's a very collaborative uh, environment. Absolutely. How is is. your team uh, structured? Uh, It depends a lot, uh, but usually our, uh, when you work as a designer, your best friend is the product developer. And the product developer usually have a small team around them that consists of a technician, um, sourcing developer, usually around four people. Uh, and those are, those are your closest uh, friends when it comes to developing products. But then, uh, like I said earlier, I spend a lot of time at the pattern shop and the material experts and the craftsmen working there are sort of like my second best friends <laughs> after the product developer and then of course the creative leaders that are basically having the overview of the things that we are doing and all the different kind of project that we are doing that they they have uh, yeah like I said the creative overview uh, those are also really important people uh, I mean when it comes to the daily life here at the office then we are not the ones who are who are uh, connected to the suppliers but we do a lot of travels uh, which is one of the most fun part of the, of the daily life uh, at work. When we go to uh, the suppliers, and that's actually when we are at our best as well, when we combine the knowledge that we have here at the house together with the supplier's knowledge. Uh, and sometimes when you go there, you start asking stupid questions that are kind of like also uh, challenging the way that the supplier do, does their things. Uh, kind of like tweaking the process. We, it's always the factory for that is the most inspiring uh, place to work where everything is possible, but then also you have, yeah, you have the heavy knowledge of the mm-hmm. supplier of their material and technique. Tapping into the inspiration uh, section, mm. uh, how do you approach the knowledge that comes from the life at home uh, reports and data analysis? Uh, do you integrate that into your inspiration phase and then how Absolutely, do you... absolutely. Everything starts from there. Everything starts from the need. And that's, that's super important to, to understand. And also the research in itself, the the material package, uh, it's super important and inspiring material uh, to not even when you start a new project, but always have around. But then what is even more sort of like concrete example of the real life is is the home visits that we that we all do so much. Like said, uh, like I said earlier, that we do a lot of uh, supplier visits. And that also means that we do a lot of uh, home visits at the same time when we go to visit our suppliers. That's uh, that's actually when the research becomes uh, something that you can also look and experience and smell and see and hear. And that's yeah, that's probably the most or biggest inspiration to do the everyday work here at the office. 
Was there something that took you by surprise uh, in that you perhaps imagined, but looking at the data, you were actually stunned at the at the result? I guess when it comes, I mean, I come from Scandinavia, and uh, I, even though I have been living in uh, quite many different cities, but I guess the biggest sort of surprise is the fact how the home is the home, but what else around the home you still call your home. Uh, we were talking a lot of uh, when, I mean, neighborhoods and your, your small community becomes your home. Uh, I guess it's uh, it's quite distant from our Scandinavian way of living when we have like a lot of space around us and when we are quite uh, also want to keep uh, the space around us quite secure. Mm -hmm. uh, so that kind of opening up your home and the, the surroundings and, and inviting people to that common space that still is home. That was sort of like it's 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 sense making, uh, but it's so uh, different from our way of living. That was a that was a nice surprise, um, but somehow didn't feel like surprise. <laughs> somehow like obvious yes, thing. Of course. And when it comes to deciding also how the trends that you can see, I don't know, either from magazines or Pinterest and all of that, um, do you think somehow it affects? the way you approach products or you try to completely stay away, shut your eyes and uh, just focus on your... I wouldn't say that I shut my eyes. Uh, of course, it's super inspirable to visit fairs and even though it's not design fairs, even it would be fashion or art fairs, of course, it's super ins uh, inspiring, but we don't really, we are not even it's not even possible to follow trends, and especially when it comes to home furnishing. It's quite irrelevant to even talking about trends. I mean, these quick trends that change on a monthly basis, basically. It's totally impossible to follow, and it, like I said, it's not even relevant. Homes are, homes are changing a lot more slowlier, and we also want to change the homes a lot more slowlier, do it meaningful and do it uh, like uh, consciously, and not jumping from one place to another and kind of like... Uh, in that way evolving also the consumer consumerism but somehow you see the the very big uh, Scandinavian trend or the yeah, minimalist absolute, trend absolutely. Or that we were also talking about yesterday here absolutely but i would call i would say that that's a, that's sort of like what ikea ikea as a design is uh, or what ikea design is when it comes to sense making minimal scandinavian scandinavian uh, design and uh, when it comes to the actual uh, usage of products, is there one that you can say, okay, this revolutionized the market uh, for X amount of reasons? Oh, what do you mean now? Uh, I don't know, like the cork collection from oh, Ilse yeah, introduced yeah. cork at such a wide audience mm. and uh, it was great uh, in public spaces for sound absorption and all that kind of stuff. Products like key products that really changed and made an impact on the on the market, not only price-wise, but also uh, in terms of actual product or material. Um, nice that you mentioned the, the Sinelik was, by the way, the name for that collection that I really like myself you. a lot also. Of course, that was a, that was a whole collection 
Anna Kok was in a in a main role for the whole collection. Of course, we introduce uh, a lot of new other materials also, but probably in a smaller scale, so that it's not uh, that like obvious when you go to IKEA store that oh that new material is something new. But those kind of small uh, innovations are are done, and of course uh, on a daily basis. When it comes to your connection between the early stages of the design phase, the sketching, the gathering inspiration to the final stage. How much are you involved in all the steps throughout the, the process? Actually everything and even more than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like like say we are, as much as possible, we are trying to be even there before we get the brief to be involved of grading the brief and actually understanding the need. Like I said, doing these home visits, it's a lot of uh, findings from there that we can actually take back here and then start uh, start debriefing together with the team. And then also when the product is launched, now that I have been at IKEA for three years, so I have been also been able to experience what is the life after that when you start following how uh, when people go to the stores and when they are meeting your product for the first time, what kind of learnings can you take from that? And then, especially at the moment, one of my favorite hobbies is kind of like embarrassing, but uh, <laughs> when when you go, for example, to Instagram, people are actually really proudly showcasing pictures from their home. And usually it's quite easy, of course, to follow the hashtags. Uh, and then you end up into somebody else's home in Buenos Aires or wherever, and you see your product there and it kind of like... Whoa. Mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's expand a little bit on the home visits. Mm? What are, if you can describe them uh, for us? Uh, well, basically, yes, when we do uh, travels, uh, usually to the suppliers, uh, the local IKEA uh, usually organizes home visits. Uh, when we visit um, regular homes, uh, or I mean, a very, uh, I'm very different kind of homes. Uh, for example, uh, it was just before Christmas I was visiting uh, in South Korea, in Seoul. I was there for the marketing reasons, uh, but then during two days of time I was visiting together of... Uh, how many homes was it now? Seven homes? One home was uh, a home of a student mm-hmm. uh, that lived in... Oh God, now I can't remember anymore. I have the, I have the notes. But she was living in a bit more than 15 square meters. That's right. Uh, yes, yeah, I, I co- sort of like could recognize myself. Uh, and then the other extreme was the house where I was living in three ge- generations. Mm-hmm. So basically we just uh, knock on the door, uh, step in. Uh, we come there with some questions, but usually it's more like, oh, okay, but now we are in a kitchen. What do you usually do here in the kitchen? Or how, how does, what's the first uh, point of the day when you come here and what do you do and what is uh, what is the best thing in your kitchen and and those kind of questions uh, so you we kind go of around like in the house you observe but then also both, interact yeah, with them both and absolutely of course it's usually um, sometimes it's really fa- fantastic when you're for example following a family cooking their dinner then it's easy to be an observer but otherwise, it's somehow sometimes it can be quite difficult to actually try to get yourself to disappear and, and let the family do their thing. But usually, when it comes to, for example, the cooking situation, which is uh, yeah super interesting to follow, whatever the country or the situation in in the life is, uh, it's always so interesting to follow. 
For example, mm. this student that I was looking at, she was doing her noodles. Oh, nice. <laughs> and for how long do you usually stay in the homes? Uh, usually approximately one hour, a few hours. Okay. Of course, we don't want to disturb that much. Of course. Um, so, uh, and actually, even though it sounds like a short time, but you do get to see and hear a lot. So coming to the wrap-up uh, questions, um, what's the most challenging aspect for you being a designer here? Um, it's, uh, I would say that the best and the worst, in a, uh, not the worst, but the most challenging in, at the same time is uh, uh, we have this thing called democratic design, which is a tool how we do design, uh, which is based on five different principles, form, function, quality, sustainability and a low price, and everything has to be connected into the things we do. That becomes, oh, that's, that's the magic, but that's also the most difficult part. It's not easy to get them right, and it's not, yeah, like I said, it requires a lot of time and people around you to be able to uh, support you on that journey. So you do need a village. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> if you could go back in time, one thing that you would tell to your younger self with the experience that you've gathered uh, so far, when you were still in design school or mm. you wanted to go to a design school, what would you tell yourself? Hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I guess, I mean, uh, curiosity is the thing that's always been guiding me. Uh, and I guess I would just say to myself that still keep that there. That's the first thing in your mind. Keep asking questions and keep uh, digging stones and and uh, seeking from it what is in the, on the other side of the corner. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Ina. Thank it you. was super interesting. And thank you for listening along. Um, we'll leave all the information about Ina's work and uh, all the reference that we talked about, uh, IKEA PS collection and uh, Life at Home report and so forth. So thank you so much. And that's it. Thank you. <laughs> that's a wrap.